Well, praise God. Uh, this morning is Communion Sunday, and so uh, the sermon this morning will be a little shorter than normal, which means nothing. So, uh, <laughs> I'm teasing. It, it, it's, it's simple, and it's a, it's a simple sermon, but I want to open it with a video. And I want, it's a familiar video to some, to a younger crowd it may not be so familiar, and I know we can't dim the lights here like we might like to, uh, so, uh, you know, kind of squint or put your glasses on or pull out some binoculars or whatever it takes for you, uh, and I want you to listen to the dialogue, because the dialogue, there's humor, and it certainly is funny, uh, but it's, it's, there's, there's a couple of critical pieces in there. And I just want you, to, I want you to pay close attention, okay? So turn your attention to the screen, and we'll pick up with my friends, Abbott and Costello. Will you keep quiet? Sebastian! Excuse me, please. Sebastian, please. Don't interrupt my act. Sebastian! Oh, Mr. Borges, I, I didn't see the lights there. I forgot about them. What in the world are you doing? Right. Why, why interrupt my act like this? Well, look, Mr. Borges, I, I mean, after all, if you're in a ballpark, they always sell peanuts and popcorns and things like that. I know that, Sebastian, but not in front of them. I, I beg, I beg your pardon, friend. Ladies and please. gentlemen, and also the children. Will you excuse me for a minute, please? Thank you. What do you want to do? Look, Mr. Borges. Right. What are you doing? I love baseball. Well, we all love baseball. When we get to St. Louis, will you tell me the guys' names on the team so I go to see them in that St. Louis ballpark? I'll be able to know those fellas. Well, now, it's all right, folks. All right. Excuse me. I, all want, right. I want to find out the fellas' names. As long as it's okay with the audience. I'm crazy about baseball. Uh, now, will you stand still? Pick up your hat. Go pick up your hat. Okay. Now, look. Then you'll go and peddle your popcorn and don't interrupt the act anymore? Yes, sir. All right. But you know, strange may seem they give ball players nowadays very peculiar names. Funny names? Nicknames, pet not, names. Not as funny as my name, Sebastian Dinwiddie. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Funnier than that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Now, on the St. Louis team, we have uh, who's on first, what's on second. I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find out. I want you to tell me the names of the fellas on the St. Louis I'm, team. I'm telling you, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. You know the fellas' names? Yes. Well, then who's playing first? Yes. I mean, the fellas' name on first base. Who? The fellow playing first base for St. Louis. Who? The guy on first base. Who is on first? Well, what are you asking me for? I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. Who is on first? I'm asking you who's on first. That's the man's name. That's whose name? Yes. Well, go ahead and tell me. Who? The guy on first. Who? The first base. Who is on first? Have you got a first baseman on first? Certainly. Then who's playing first? Absolutely. When you pay off the first baseman every month, who gets the money? Every dollar of it. Why not? The man's entitled to it. Who is? Yes. So who gets it? Why shouldn't he? Sometimes his wife comes down and collects it. Who's white? Yes. Mm. After all, the man earns it. Who does? Absolutely. Well, all I'm trying to find out is what's the guy's name on first base? Oh, no, no. What is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? That's what I'm trying to find out. Well, don't change the players. I'm not changing nobody. Take it easy. What's the guy's name on first base? What's the guy's name on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? I don't know. He's on third. We're not talking about him. How did I get on third base? You mentioned his name. If I mention a third baseman's name, who did I say is playing third? No, who's playing first? Stay off of first, will you? Well, what do you want me to do? Now, what's the guy's name on third base? Well, what's on second? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? I don't know. He's on third. There I go, back on third again. Well, I can't change their names. Will you please stay on third base, Mr. 
Bloodhurst. Please, now, what is it you want to know? What is the fella's name on third base? What is the fella's name on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? I don't know. Third, third base. Woo! You got an outfield? Oh, sure. St. Louis has got a oh, good outfield? Absolutely. The left fielder's name. Why? I don't know. I just thought I'd ask you. Well, I just thought I'd tell you. Then tell me who's playing left field. Who is playing first? Stay out of the infield! Well, don't mention their names out here. I want to know what's the fellow's name in left field. What is on second? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who is on first? I don't know. Third, Third base. Oh, take it easy. Take it easy, man. And the left fielder's name? Why? Because. Oh, he's center field. He's center. Will you pick up your hat, please? Pick up your hat and Whoa. stop this. Oh, look, Mr. Brothers. Yes. Wait a minute. You got a pitcher on a team? Wouldn't this be a fine team without a pitcher? I don't know. Tell me the pitcher's name. Tomorrow. You don't want to tell me the date? I'm telling you, man. Then go ahead. Tomorrow. What time? What time what? What time tomorrow you're going to tell me who's pitching? Now listen. Who is not pitching? Who is on? I'll break your arm, you say. Who's on first? Why, come up here and ask. I want to know what's the pitcher's name. What's on second? I don't know. The base. You got a catcher? Yes. The catcher's name. Today. Today. And tomorrow's pitching. Now you've got it. That's all. St. Louis has got a couple of days on a team. That's well, I can't help that. <laughs> all right. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Got a catcher? Yes. I'm a good catcher, too, you know. I know that. I would like to play for the St. Louis team. Well, I might arrange that. I, I would know. like to catch. Now, I'm being a good catcher. Tomorrow's pitching on the team, and I'm catching. Yes. Tomorrow throws the ball, and the guy up bunts the ball. Yes. Now, when he bunts the ball, me being a good catcher, I'm going to throw the guy out at first base. So I pick up the ball and throw it to who? Now, that's the first thing you've said right. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Well, that's all you have to do. Is to throw it to first base. Yeah. Now, who's got it? Naturally. Who has it? Naturally. 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 Okay. Now, you've got it. I pick up the ball and I throw it to naturally. I know, you he... don't. You throw the ball to first base. Then who gets it? Naturally. Okay. All right. I throw the ball to naturally. You don't. You throw it to who? Naturally. Well, that's it. Say it that way. That's what I said. You did not. I said I throw the ball to naturally. You don't. You throw it to who? Naturally. Yes. So I throw the ball to first base and naturally gets no, it. No. You throw the ball to first base. Then who gets naturally. it? Naturally. That's what I'm saying. You're not saying that. Excuse me, folks. All right. I'm sorry, friend. I throw the ball to naturally. You throw it to who? Naturally. Naturally. Well, say it that way. That's what I'm saying. Don't get excited. Now, don't get I excited. I throw the ball to first base. Then who gets it? He better get it. All right, now don't get excited. Take it easy. Hmm. Huh. Now I throw the ball to first base. Whoever it is drops the ball, so the guy runs to second. Mm -hmm. Who picks up the ball and throws it to what? What throws it? To? I don't know. I don't know. Throws it back to tomorrow. A triple play. Yeah, it could be. Another guy gets up and it's a long fly ball to be called. Why? I don't know. He's on third, and I don't care. Over there. I said, I don't care. Oh, that's a shortstop. <laughs> in life, it uh, doesn't really matter who's in what position on our team until we settle the matter of who's on first. Who has first in your life and in mine? Today we're looking at Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 11. We're looking at the first 
of the four Ten Commandments. This is uh, part two of really a four-week series that is in the midst of our Exodus study. Uh, Last week was part one. It was the preamble. Uh, Today is the Law of the Lord, part two, and it is the preeminent. We'll read the first 11 verses, and then we'll dive into and really a poignant message, but a shorter message, because our priority is who is first in your life. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and he rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Let's pray. Father, in these next few moments, I pray, Lord, that by the washing of the water of the word of God that we would have our hearts and our minds renewed and that, Lord, we would be mindful, heartful, soulful, and really strength and vitality full of your lordship in our lives. God, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Everyone said a strong amen. 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 We talked last week about the first four of these commandments being in relationship to our vertical relationship with God. Priority, if we have the vertical relationships right with God, the horizontal relationships with mankind have the possibility of being right. But if we don't comprehend and have these first four commandments right, and we don't have this vertical relationship right, then literally none of the horizontal relationships can be right. And so the preeminent is to be certain in my right relationship with our Father, His Son, and the Holy Spirit. These four commandments were summed up by our Lord and Savior Jesus in Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 33. Jesus is inquired by some scribes. 
The text says this, Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceived that he had answered them well, and asked him, asked Jesus, which is the first commandment of all? Which is the first? Jesus answered, the first of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like it. It is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to him, well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. So Jesus affirms the first four commandments in his greatest commandment given. And the fella who asked affirmed Jesus in his correctness in the statement. Verse 30, and leading into verse 30, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord our God. So thankful that it's personalized. Personalized. He said, I am the Lord your God. Personalized. I'd like to suggest to you as we endeavor into the text this morning that God, the creator of the universe, God whose idea was grass, whose idea was the earthworm, whose idea was the robin who eats the earthworm, the idea of a hummingbird. That, that was God's idea. This same God who made water, this same God who made dolphins, this same God who made you and made me and made little babies like McKenna. He is personal and he wants relationship with you and I. Is that worthy of just a hearty amen? Thanks be to God. God so loved the world that he desired relationship, and so he provided a way for you and I to be established in relationship, not based upon our performance, but based upon the performance of Jesus Christ, his son. Thanks be to God. He loves us. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. I think it's interesting that Mark records for us these four elements, if you will, for these first four commandments. Jesus declares heart, soul, mind, strength. In Exodus, the first commandment of you shall have no other gods before me, it is a heart issue, and it has to do with our love. 
our love. The second is a soul commandment. No graven images being made that you would bow down and serve. It's a worship issue. It's an issue that flows from the mind, the will, and the emotions. It's our worship. We're to worship God and God alone. The third commandment is a mind commandment, and it's concerning our character. Not taking the name of the Lord our God in vain. We'll talk about that in just a few moments, but it really is a character issue, and it has to do with what's going on in our mind. The fourth commandment is a strength commandment because it's concerning our obedience and submission. And so let's look at these a little closer as we are preparing our hearts to come to the communion table this morning. So the first commandment. The first commandment is a heart commandment and it is concerning our love. You shall have no other gods before me. No other gods. It's interesting because I think all men, mankind, is designed to worship and to have adoration, to have affection toward something. No other gods is not a implication of making sure that Jehovah, Yahweh, is first and then all others can be sequentially behind him. No other gods means no other gods, period. No other gods before my face. In other words, God sees all, and if he says no other gods before my face, then he means no other gods. That's pretty simple. Now, there's a contrast that Jesus makes. Jesus in Luke 14, verse 26, said these words, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, those are strong words. It's contrast. These other affections, these other things can become gods. He says no other gods. The contrast of love of heart is that God would be so preeminent that these would pale in comparison to our love for the Lord, our love for God. For me, when I hear those words, they cut hard. It's, I mean, I love my wife. I love my children. I love my brothers. I love my sisters. I'll be honest. I kind of love me. You know, do you love me? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? Because we love ourselves. 
and this comparison, and it cuts like a knife because I realize, oh God, I'm so far from where Jesus was, and I want to be more like Jesus. Self-denial and all of these things. It's so awesome. And I think sometimes we get things kind of out of proportion, or we don't understand statements when God says, I'm a jealous God. We don't, we, I mean, we don't comprehend that because we're wondering, why does the God who made the universe need me to love him? This is not going to be a shocker, hope for you. He doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. He loves us so much, he wants to give us himself because he's best. And it's not arrogance that he knows it. He made this whole universe and us to give himself away. That's epic because it's all good. It's all good. Look at your neighbor and say, it's all good. <laughs> Some of you actually put a little southern twang in it. It's all good. <laughs> It is. This personal God, Jehovah, your God, he redeemed us from the world. Listen, he redeemed us from the world. He redeemed us from our fallen state. He redeemed us, literally redeemed us from Hades. We were destined for hell, and he redeemed us. Come on, praise God. God loves us. He bought us. And he delivered us from the house of bondage. Not only did he purchase us, and if your faith is in Christ today, your name is written in God's book, come on, but he also today has delivered us from the house of bondage. Just as he did the children of Israel from Egypt and from the bondage of slavery, he's delivered us from slavery to sin. Thanks be to God. So, no other gods. Can I suggest to us today that Jesus, the Son, God the Father, and God the Spirit, they are not an additive in our fuel tank. It's, it's not like a tag on, oh yeah, and hey, this is Jesus, he's my Savior. He is the tank, he is the fuel, he is the car, he is, he's our all, he's our all in all. It's not an additive. It's not like, well, you know, I have my ticket punched and I'm going to heaven and I'm just gonna live my life normal as I always have, but I got my ticket. It's all. Jesus wants all. Now, failure to obey this commandment in your life and in my life, you shall have no other gods before me, is called idolatry. Idolatry. Now, we're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 to flee idolatry. Uh, lives that are marked by habitual idolatry, the scripture tells us, will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's sobering. Idolatry, we're told in the scripture, is a work of the flesh. 
We're even told not to associate with them, with those who claim to be Christians, but live in idolatry. Idolatry is a big deal. So the first commandment is a heart commandment, and it's concerning our love. Let me ask you, because Jesus qualified this idea of heart and treasure. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And this is a heart issue. Is is God your treasure? Is he your treasure? Like that psalmist when we read Psalm 1 last week, do you love to meditate in his law day and night? Do you find your delight in the law of the Lord? Do you find your delight in the presence of the Lord? When Matt read that scripture, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, could you immediately identify with that and say, yes, hallelujah, that's right where I am. Oh, to be in perpetual communion with my Father through his Son, Jesus, and the witness of the Spirit of God dwelling in me? Or did you find yourself going, ah, man, I'm a lot like Pastor Dave. (laughs) And it's not always there. What has your heart? Does he have your heart? Is he your treasure? I love that... The scripture says of us, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, a people belonging to him. You are his own special people, special treasure. In fact, the scripture goes on to tell us, special treasure. Is he our special treasure? Do we treasure him? Is our heart where our treasure is? Is our heart in close communion? with our Father? Do I have other gods before him? Ask yourself this question. What occupies my heart? What is my treasure? The second commandment is the commandment of the soul, if you will, the soul commandment. It's concerning our worship. This is is fairly simple. I mean, we love some good worship. By the way, Pastor Dennis, shout to the Lord. Uh, I have on my phone that album from, I think, like 25 years ago. Uh, And I listen to it while I'm driving regularly. And there's some anointed songs on that whole, I called it an album. I know it's probably called a CD. I aged myself several times there. But anyway... It's great stuff. And we love to worship the Lord in song. Anybody here absolutely love the emotion when you're singing and it's just like things are bursting and you're like, I love you, Jesus. We love that stuff. It's a wee gooey kind. It's like eating a chocolate chip cookie right out of the oven. You pull it apart and the chocolate is like, ah, so good. (laughs) And it is. And it. There's something that feels good. But Paul tells us that worship is our lives. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. He says, I beg you. I beg you. 
you imagine the Apostle Paul begging us, pleading, I beg you, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your lives a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord, for this is your reasonable service. This is your spiritual worship. Our lives as living sacrifices, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, until Christ returns or until I push daisies from six feet under. I'm gonna serve the Lord. And this commandment, this sole commandment concerning our worship, Exodus chapter 20, verses four through six, you shall not make for yourselves a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth or the, uh, and you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. That's the key right there. Worship is for God and God alone. Our affection, our adoration, our response to what God has done for us, redeemed us and delivered us from bondage. My response is worship, how I live. When I choose to live according to the precepts in the word of God, when I choose to live by the commandments that are given in the 10 commandments, when I choose to live by all that is contained in the scripture, I am worshiping the Lord. Now, as beautiful as that is, I'd like to say that was occurring 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year in my life, but it's not. In fact, in many cases, I'm not even sure what my assignments are because I've not done the diligence. If that statement resembles you, also, there's a call for you and I to get to know the one who's redeemed us, who has delivered us from the bonds and the house of bondage. So, Deuteronomy chapter four and verse 12, Moses brings some clarification and he establishes a principle, basically. He says, uh, God spoke to you, but you didn't see his image. He spoke, and this is what it says. And the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of the words, but saw no form. You only heard a voice. And so we are not to make images, if you will, of God. It is to worship him in spirit. Jesus clarified that. And John, John records it for us in John chapter four and verse 24. He says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I think that's on a banner right over here. We're worshipers of God in spirit and in truth. Spirit and truth. And so, worship in spirit. I want to encourage you in your worship of the Lord that you would honor the Lord throughout your comings and goings of the day and that you would not seek to focus on an image or uh, cling to some object or to affix a face in your mind. Simply Honor the Lord by obeying his word. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. 
He says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. He says, my commands are not burdensome. We've talked many, many times. If you find the commandments of Jesus burdensome, I would submit to you that you are standing next to the pool with your toes in the water. They become less burdensome the deeper you get in the water. Have you noticed that carrying a five-gallon bucket of water, maybe half full, you'll carry it for a short period of time. And pretty soon you feel the handle of the pail kind of cutting into your your hands and you're like looking around to find, well, I know I'm looking around to find one of the interns. (laughs) Can, Can someone carry this bucket for me? It's a burden. You imagine putting that thing on your head? Have you noticed that when the plastic bucket comes out of the dye, there's one little point at the bottom of the bucket in the center where that last little melted plastic gets kind of cut off and it's just this little dimple? You imagine that thing poking you right in the top of the head with about two gallons of water, about 16 pounds? That would hurt. be a burden. But why is it that when you jump in the pool, you can have... Hundreds of gallons over your head playing Marco Polo, swimming underneath the feet of the person who's it, laughing all the way. Ah. You don't even notice it. It's not burdensome. It's because you're all in. It's because you're all in. Dive in the pool. Somebody sang a song about that. I'm not a music guy, but I'm diving in. I'm going deep. And over my head, I'm going to be. Something like that. Anyway, yeah, hey, that's, that's it. No worship. And so, let's worship God who is in spirit. And let's worship him in truth. Worshiping him in truth, I'm gonna say this a couple times this morning. Worshiping him in truth is with no pretense. In other words, you, we, can, we can fake it right here. I, w- I mean, I, we shouldn't. That wasn't giving you permission to fake it. (laughs) But we do. Because we want other people to think that we're good. So often as followers of Christ, this is humbling, but it's reality, we're more concerned about our reputation than we are our character. Right? Nod with me if if you like know what I'm talking about. Like sometimes we're more concerned about what the person next to us is thinking than what the person in the vertical relationship knows. I mean, the person sitting next to you can't do literally anything for you. And God knows and sees all. Let's not pull any punches. What if we were just honest with one another? I've had a terrible week this week. I struggled, man. I gave in to sin, blah, 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 blah. And just we're honest, man. My heart's broken and I'm cracked open and I just want to come and weep in the front or I don't even know, I don't even want to cry. I just, I'm kind of mad or whatever. And just lay it out there, but be honest. Wouldn't it be great if we started the service with just confession? (laughs) Just 
Everybody come to the altar. We're gonna start worship in about 10 minutes, but it's gonna take you that amount of time to get rid of all the stuff that you messed up this week on. And we just blah, 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 gave it all to God so we could all go back and say, hallelujah, I feel right in the presence of God. Let's worship him. Pastor Dennis and Matt, we might wanna think about how we do that. I mean, it's real. <laughs> I told my son I had a sermon that was about 20 minutes. I think each point was 20 minutes. I'm gonna go through these last two in about 40 minutes. No. <laughs> the, th- <laughs> the, 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 the third commandment is the commandment of the mind. It really is concerning character and our character. It says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. We'll focus on that. Uh, not vain words. I mean, we all, I don't know if, you, if you're like me, but when I first came to Christ, I, I was damning everything with God's name. God, will you damn this? Will you damn this? Will you damn this? Vain words. I didn't understand what I was doing. And so God helped me with my, quote unquote, taking his name in vain. I've discovered that it's better to bless. God bless this, God bless this, God bless this. Doesn't always work that way because the old man wants to show up every once in a while. Anybody ever discover that? Have you discovered, if you've walked with the Lord for very many years, and Charlie thinks, he's like, yeah, I don't understand that, Dave. (laughs) What's wrong with you? No, I yeah, it's a, it's a real deal. It's the real deal. So let's be careful about our words because we're responsible for every word. Vain imaginations. Paul writing to the church in Corinth says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God, pulling down strongholds, casting down vain imaginations. Vain imaginations. We just, hey, Let's get rid of that stuff. But I think when he says not taking the Lord's name in vain, it's about vain actions. When you and I claim to be Christ followers and we don't follow Christ. Does that make sense? If I claim to be a Christ follower, that says that I'm seeking to live like Christ lived. They were first called Christians in Antioch, the book of Acts tells us, because their lives so resembled that of Christ, the people on the outside said, these are little Christs, Christians. Do our lives Resemble that. Would those on the outside say, well, they're little Christs? Or would they have another testimony about our lives? Church sign right up the street this morning at Happy Valley Evangelical. I think we have a little sign, uh, a picture of it. We took a picture of it. It says, a hypocrite is a person who is not himself on Sunday. That's a real deal. Ouch. I got to put my mask on, going to church. 
Hallelujah. Get my, I got warm up in the car. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Get my God bless you's on. <laughs> Put my Colgate smile. Let's be real. Can I get an amen? No pretense. Let's not take the Lord's name in vain. Now, I know we're all working on it, and we're all in our journey, and we got stuff. Anybody here got stuff besides me? Yeah, we got a bunch of luggage. We got baggage. We got stuff. But, man, let's give that stuff to Jesus daily, and let's grow. Let's grow in faith. So what about you? Do you claim to be a child of God, child of the king, bearing his name, but living your own way? We're candidates for change there, I think. And the beauty is, God wants to help us. Come on. I've noticed every time I try and take the steering wheel, I generally crash. So I find myself saying, Jesus, take the wheel. Okay. That was your opportunity. Number four, the fourth commandment is a strength commandment. It's concerning our obedience. Exodus 20, verse 8 says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. I think of two words, submission and obedience. Uh, Richard said to me before service, he said, submit your ways to the Lord. So submit first, and he'll make your path straight. That's an obedience piece. I get a walk in the path that he shows me. And so... This idea of submission. Have you discovered in your life that submission is fun? <laughs> None of us like to be under authority. But God established all authority. And authority is good. The law is an authority. That's why it's called the law. The question is, will we submit? Again, remember that Jesus summed it up. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. If we do that, all of the law and all of the prophets will fall in line in our lives. Does that make sense? And if we, would, if we would recognize when we do and we try and do things our own way, I mean, how many of us here like our own way? Okay, six of us. <laughs> I think some of you weren't participating in that. <laughs> we want to be in charge. We want to be in control. The longer I've walked with the Lord, the more I've discovered that his control is way better. And it's always good, and it's always loving, and it's always for our benefit. Because God loves us, and God is love. And so if I, would, if I would simply submit and say, okay, Lord, not my way, not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus modeled that for us in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, Gethsemane. So God help us. Listen, if you're a Christ follower, you know, the scripture tells us we should know our doctrine. Look at your neighbor and say, you should know your doctrine. You should know your doctrine. And in all reality, I believe the first 
Christian doctrine is in relationship to the Word of God. All Scripture is God-breathed. It is all-sufficient. It is inerrant, infallible. It is authoritative, and it is our rule of faith and conduct. Conduct. So when it, when it says I should be living one way and I'm living another way, am I in submission? No. <laughs> and my life's probably a train wreck. And if I would submit, I would discover God's goodness and the glory of God. And I'd find joy in my life because I would be with less consequence and less trouble and less issue. Does that make sense? Does that, everybody get that? So, communion table. Uh, can I, I'm gonna ask the brothers to come, and I, I know I went long. You knew I was going to anyway. Uh, <laughs> hallelujah. Uh, Brothers who are going to serve us, if you'd come. There's there's really no convenient way of receiving the emblems. We're going to be inviting everybody to come forward, and as as that happens in just a moment, uh, will you come down these center aisles and then kind of make your way back to your seats uh, around the outside? The worship team is going to come as well. And... Uh, if, if mobility up on the bleachers is difficult, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get some to you. Just raise your hand and we'll, we have a, another tray up there and we'll work to get to you. Um, as, we, as we prepare, thank you, Tim. As we prepare our hearts, again, that first commandment, no other gods before me, if you discover in your life, and as we've talked just a little bit this morning, you realize that in your heart, there's other things. There's other things that have taken your heart, and it's not the Lord first. It's just a great time at the communion table to say, God, I repent. I repent. Um, if it's a soul issue and you've been worshiping other things, and worshiping other things comes in many, many forms. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, maybe it's your car or your house or whatever. Most of the time it's not like we've, you know, taken a log and carved a little tiki doll out of it and put it up on the mantle of our, you know, in our, in our family room and said, oh, hail tiki doll. You know, I don't, it's generally not what we're talking about here. But we are talking about the things that control your life. Right? Because gods in our life demand from us. What are the things in your heart that demand from you? That could be that worship. What are you bowing down to in your life? Um, that mind issue, that mind commandment, if you will. Character. You claim the name of Christ. Thanks be to God. Are you living? the life of Christ? Are you living the life of a follower of Jesus? Let's live this thing. Let's do this. Let's do it well. Let's worship the Lord in that. And the strength. Keep the Sabbath. It's, it's, one, it's one thing. God said, keep this. But he's, he's said many things in here. And the issue is obedience. Will I submit? Will I come under? 
what God says. Listen to me. Listen. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. This, I mean, the scripture tells us to obey even the laws that govern our, us as society. So as Christ followers, we should be obeying the law because he says so. But the kingdom of this world, it's passing away. God's kingdom is the most important. And what God says is what we should be doing. Family matters. Look, if you're a family here, and I mean, I've seen it where families go to court against each other. That is a system of this world. And if you have a brother or sister, that is not the way we operate. We don't do that. We obey this. I don't care if the law of the land gives me a right. I'm not under that law first. I'm under this one. And I do what this says, regardless. Does that make sense? Just because you can doesn't mean you should. The scripture says, why not rather be wronged? Settle matters quickly. You know, the scripture says, remove the fuel from the fire, and what happens? Fire goes out. In the kingdom of God, we get to come without a stack of wood. Carry no record of wrongdoings. Right? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love carries no record of wrongs. Look, if you're carrying a record of wrong on a brother or sister, how about surrendering it at the communion table today and submit to God's way? It's so much more glorious. You know if you've carried a record of wrongs, how it's become a root of bitterness in your life. And it affects, it affects every area of your life. But if you'll let the Holy Spirit pull that tap root out, doesn't break off, he just pulls it right out of the soil like a big old carrot. And bitterness just comes out. And it happens at the cross where bitter waters are made sweet. The tree. So whatever may be working, will you let this relationship be made right so that all these can be right also? Will you stand with me this morning?